This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and I am here with our Director of Recruiting, Scott Eklund. And just like we did last week, guys, we told you we were going to do it again. We're going to do a recruiting breakdown for this weekend. And this weekend's actually even a little bit more special than last weekend. Yes, last weekend was the big, kind of one of the big recruiting pushes for the final, you know, the, the final thing that you got to do before signing day, which happens this coming Wednesday. But we've got not just the last recruiting weekend now, this weekend, the last time, that these coaches can host official recruits on campus before these guys decide to sign on Wednesday, the first day of the normal kind of recruiting signing period. But today they've also combined it with a big, big junior day, kind of the first one that they've been able to do in years because of the coronavirus uh, pandemic. And so this is, this is really kind of opening things up in a big, big way. And it's the, it's the chance for Kalen DeBoer. Courtney Morgan and the, and the staff to really kind of set the groundwork and everything else for the 2023 class. So Scott, just, just overall, you know, huge weekend. Were you anticipating that there was going to be more than just one official visitor for the 2022 class? Uh, because right now it looks like it's Roman Rashada and they're rolling out the red carpet for Roman this weekend, and uh, I guess his brother as well, uh, Jaden Rashada, a big-time 2023 quarterback. Yeah, uh, I, I actually did when we were initially starting to look at how things are going to play out here over the over the you know next couple of weeks. I'm sorry, this was back in, in like mid-January when the things were starting, and I kind of said, well, you know, I could see 5 to 10 per weekend. Well, they brought in 8 last weekend, and um, – that was kind of their big push, and then they just have one this weekend, and and so I thought, man, that's a little light. But then Chris, and and we'll get into this in a bit, but uh, when you look at the numbers and how they're probably going to break out and play play out, um, I think one makes sense, and and you know they they get to focus on a guy that that they really want in this class, and a guy that who could come in and, and contribute immediately for them. In Roman Rashada, a Juco guy, he could play the Husky position, corner or safety. He's open to playing anywhere that'll get him on the field the fastest. Um, and you know, I, I just, I think as things kind of played out and, and how I think things are going to go over the next five, six days, uh, heading up to signing day, I think the number makes sense. Okay. Now you spoke to, uh, Roman, um, right at the, right around the new year, because that's mm-hmm. when he was offered, um, by the new staff. And, uh, it, it did really, it really kind of perked up some ears when, uh, he got offered. Because first of all, I don't think a lot of people knew that Jade Rashada had an older brother that was playing in Juco. 
But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he's playing at Diablo Valley. I think he played at another JC right before that. Um, he and did, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so, but just tell me a little bit, like you said, is it just one of those things where they see him in a, in a very specific position or his versatility, as you mentioned, is that ultimately the thing that plays it out the most? Or do you see some ulterior motives here? Do you see them, uh, you know, looking at a guy like Roman Rashad as, as a potential for getting a two for one here? Well, I, I do look at it a little bit that way. You can't, you can't completely dismiss that, but I don't think Washington would be offering a scholarship and offering to bring in a guy on an official visit and make him a priority on the recruiting trail if they, you know, if they didn't want him really. I mean, they might get, offer him a preferred walk on and you, you can walk on here and we'll, we'll get you a scholarship for your senior year, maybe, or something like that. Um, they, they might do something like that if that's all their, uh, motives were was to get his younger brother on campus. But no, I, I think Washington really likes Roman Rashada. He's a productive guy. He could play, like I said, pretty much anywhere in the secondary. I think my guess is he's going to play the Husky or the, um, or the, uh, safety spot. Um, that's kind of what he seems to do best when you watch his film, but he could play corner. He could play outside corner depending on what, uh, scheme they're running and everything like that. So I think he could do a lot of different things for you and his versatility is what makes him an important prospect. But the fact that his last name is Rashada and his younger brother is one of the top quarterbacks in the country. I don't think that necessarily plays into it, you know, as a majority reason they bring him in, but I definitely think it plays a little bit into it. Well, the conspiracy theorist in me, which doesn't come out all that often, thinks that if there was a way that Kalen DeBoer and Courtney Morgan and those guys could make a splash, you know, an initial splash in a way that would really create a ripple effect in the Pac-12, getting a guy like Jaden Rashada to follow his brother to Montlake would be that kind of splash. Oh, Uh, yeah. So I'm wondering if there is part of that, and I think you're right, I think there is – there is a part of that and, and whether or not that's, you know, the, the, the big reason or a minor reason or just a happy coincidence, who knows? But again, I think you're, you're ultimately right in saying that these guys wouldn't offer a player just to get another player. I, ju- I just don't think you can do that at this level because, uh, scholarships are just that important. But I am very curious to see what Rashad is all about because he really only has a couple of other, um, you know, FBS offers really BYU, Colorado State. Not he's not really getting a lot of traction um, as a player. And and you're right. Maybe it's because of the versatility, and maybe because they see him as a very specific fit as a Husky, for instance. Which maybe not a lot of other defenses out there see him as. Maybe it, it's a, a a perfect storm. You know that could that could be uh, that could be one of the reasons. Yeah, yeah, and I I think. The fact that, yes, he's not getting as many looks as maybe you would think a guy with his experience level would get because he's a, he's a Juco guy. He's played two years out of high school, but, uh, you know, I think he, I think he's still a three to play three or three, four to play three because, uh, that first season was 2020 and it didn't really count. So right. I, I think he still has four years to play three and that's another bonus for Washington. It's, it could be a blessing and a curse. It's one of the reasons why you don't offer a kid just to get someone else because the chances that you get that other kid are still not, you might still get that kid, but it, it's probably not going to be because of you bringing in a, uh, another kid. So 
the chances the, the chances are that you might not get that other guy and now you're stuck with a guy that you didn't really want in the first place. <laughs> so right. I, I, I still think that, um, they wanted Jade, uh, Roman Rashada, um, on his own merits. And then the, it was like you said, happy coincidence and, uh, and that, oh, he's the older brother of Jaden Rashada, a guy that we really, really want really, really bad. And we think this kid can do something for us in the secondary. And so I think that's, I ultimately, I think that's why. He's on this visit this weekend, why he got his offer, but uh, the, everything kind of plays into it. I, I don't think you could exclude something, but I think it's not as big a deal as maybe some people might think it is. Right, and, and just to make sure people understand, per your conversation with Rashada, um, because the um, the California J- uh, JC system didn't play a season in 2020, it means that he's got three to play two. So um, uh, four to play four to play three. It says three to play two in your story. So I'm, yeah, that that might have been the case, but I think I wasn't taking that into account. Okay. So yeah, last season was technically his first season. Okay. Well, we'll just we'll obviously need to clean that up and figure out exactly. Yeah. What the situation you you is. know what? Now that I think about it, I think he's been out three years. You're right, Chris. Three to play two. That's my mistake. You're right. Yeah. Now that I think about this. Okay. Well, either way, I just want to make sure people people understand that yeah. they, he didn't play. No one in California played. JC ball at all. I'm just telling you guys, I cannot wait till we get past all the 2020 guys that, that missed a season or have an extra. I cannot wait till we're done with that just so I don't have to deal with that anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And just so that we kind of clear things up through that kind of moving into the numbers, people may think that it's, it's light that Washington only has one visitor this weekend, official visitor. But if you really look at the way things have, have broken down, You've got the, you know, the, the two kids that have already enrolled at Washington for 2022 and Parker Brailsford, the, um, high school offensive lineman from Arizona, Sawaro, and Demario King from Cerritos College. The, the guy that we could also maybe see as a Husky, but I think he's actually initially going to come in as one of the inside linebackers. And then you've got the three high school players that sign their letters of intent, but won't enroll until at least the spring, if not later. And that's Ryan Otten from Tumwater. Lance Holtzclaw from Desert Ridge in Arizona. I think Lance is already on campus, if I remember right. And then no, uh, no, he is not. He is not. Is he, but he, will he be? Will he be in no, the spring? No, he told me he's not going to be able to be up here until. Okay, uh, gotcha. So you got Lance Holtzclaw from uh, Desert Ridge in Mesa, and then Denzel Boston, uh, the local kid from Emerald Ridge uh, in Puyallup, uh, South Hill. So you've got those three high school players, and then you've got the two players that recently committed this week. The two twins from, uh, outside of Detroit, Michigan, Dearborn, uh, Armand Parker and Javon Parker, the two defensive linemen, high school players, they will sign on Wednesday. And then you've got the five transfers. You've got Cam Bright, who just, uh, and said he was going to sign with Washington from Pittsburgh. You've got Aaron Dumas, the running back, uh, from New Mexico, who was planning to sign with Washington. And then you've got Junior Alexander, uh, originally from Kennedy Catholic, same class as Sam Heward. And, um, Jabez today, he will sign, um, and come to come back to Washington. And then the, the two guys that are already on, on campus and, and doing their thing, Jordan Perryman, the defensive back from UC Davis and Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback from Indiana. They're both on campus. So you look at those numbers, you've got the five transfers, the two guys that are going to sign and the Parker twins, the three guys that have already signed and the two that are already on campus. You know, you've got 12 guys there. 
And then there's going to be probably a handful of guys that, that may sign as well that they've already done their work on. Scott, um, it looks like the numbers are probably going to end up being right about what we expected, really, really close to the 17 number. Yeah, I know. And, and that's where you go, okay, I actually did kind of know what I was talking about. You know, yeah. I wasn't just pulling this out of, out of thin air. So, you know, Chris, let's just get into it. You know, uh, the way kind of things are going to fall out, in my opinion, Washington, I believe, will get Vega Ijuane to recommit to them. Uh, Graham Kapowson, offensive lineman, 6'4", 6'5", 320 pounds. He's on a visit to Penn State this weekend, but I would – something would really have to change. Uh, I think Penn State would have to blow him out of the water in order to um, – you know, in order for him to not sign with Washington, he told me he is for sure signing on Tuesday and that he's going to sit down with his parents and make a decision uh, once he gets back from this trip to Penn State. But uh, I think Washington is going to end up getting him and I think they're going to get Tristan Dunn, the safety prospect out of out of Sumner. So, you know, you, you could be looking at you know, the possibility of adding three more guys to the class and Roman Rashada, who I think they're going to get this weekend, uh, Tristan Dunn and Vega Ijuane. And if that's the class, I think we're at 15 at that point, right? Yeah. And, and just to make sure people understand right now in, in state college, Pennsylvania, it's 12 degrees. Yeah. They're not going outside. Let's just put it that way. So, <laughs> so yeah, so you're, chilly. You're, we're really, really close to the number. Um, then there's also the possibility of getting the specialist from uh, Idaho State, Kevin Ryan, but we have not been able to nail down whether or not he would be walking on or on scholarship. Um, you know, Grady Gross is another player who recently committed to Washington as a specialist, but he is going to walk on. Um, mm-hmm. a, a really, really good kicker from down south. Uh, is it Arizona? Her- yeah, Horizon High School. Yeah. Scott Scott Huff's alma mater. Right. Exactly. So, um, things are starting to come together that way. Um, you've got other opportunities. Um, there's another, I believe another walk on JB on green from Texas. Yeah. Maybe walking we're, on. We're still trying to track that one down, but yeah. Right. But it's, yeah. you know, and again, the, the walk-ons are difficult to pin, pin down just because they're still very much recruitable guys. And even though like, for instance, the Parker twins are recruitable guys still, we fully expect them to sign with Washington on Wednesday. Whereas, you know, with the walk-on guys, they're going to get a prefer, you know, going to get preferred to in terms of enrolling at Washington. Mm-hmm. But you know, other schools can come in and offer them, and that would be the end of that. Yeah. Um, there's nothing that's going to bind them to the school, so you, you've always got to kind of put them in pencil while you're putting the other guys in ink, so to speak. Yep, until um, they enroll. Until exactly. they enroll. Yep. And so right now, you know, you think Ijuane is going to go ahead and recommit. Tristan Dunn is, is certainly a guy that they're going to have to watch out for. That's uh, on the second. Is He'll announce his on signing day. Right. And then because he's already, you know, he was committed to Arizona State. You know, obviously that's changed. And then you and then Roman Rashada, we, we think that's that's going to happen as well. So, yeah, really, really close. And then there's always going to be that scholarship left open for Josh Connerly from Rainier Beach. He's not going to announce for at least another month. Um, and then that's, that's really where you come up to, to pretty much right around 17. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a long shot they get Connerly, but even if, even if that's the case, you know, you save that scholarship just in case you need it for him and then you can figure out what you want to do with it later. Maybe even push it to the 2022, uh, 2023 class. 
Yeah, and again, you may leave a scholarship open for the portal. You never know, yep. you know what what's going to happen. You know, spring football comes around. If if guys are getting hurt, you know, maybe maybe you've got to dip into the portal to find a guy that can help replace uh, a position that all of a sudden gets kind of thin in spring, depending on what happens, depending on how guys are doing. So you you always you know maybe like to have one or two in your pocket if you're Kalen DeBoer. Just just kind of the way things are going nowadays. I think. You know, five years ago, I don't think, you know, coaches would have been thinking about this at all, but I almost think that at this point, you know, a lot of coaches might go into a season with only 83 or, or 82 guys thinking, you know what? You know, we may have to see what's going on here and, 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 and mm-hmm. they may not have a full roster sometimes because they've, they've kept one or two in their pocket just in case they needed it to find a portal guy in a hurry. Cause now you can kind of dip into that if you need to, because, as we found out, one of the big problems with the portal, Scott, is that there's a lot more numbers out there and a lot of spaces that need to be filled, but there's more portal guys than can fill them. Absolutely. So that's that's going to be a, a, become a problem for a lot of guys. It's musical chairs, and the chairs are starting to go away, and there's a lot of guys out there saying, dude, I need a chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's going to be the quandary of the, of the transfer portal is – you know, some of these guys, I, I would say the top guys have an idea of what they want to do. Um, and then even some of the more mid-tier guys are going to have an idea of what they want to do, or maybe they already have a spot that they've, they're planning to take. They're just, they have to go through the formality of entering the portal and everything. But, um, I think a lot of these guys that are just deciding to go to the portal are finding it very difficult. To go, I mean, what did they say? There's like 2,000 guys or something like that yeah. in the portal, yeah. and there are not that many spots available. So, no. you know, I, I think some of these guys might end up having to go FCS or even or even to Division Two to go find themselves a spot. And boy, is that going to be a a slap in the face, uh, you know, to wake up call for those guys. Sure, no, no, no question about it. Hey, when we come back, we've got um, the second half of the show dedicated to what's happening this weekend with Saturday's Junior Day. Uh, it's a huge event. Again, like I said, the first time they're going to be able to do it in a few years. Because of the pandemic, we're going to break down some of the top guys that we expect that we're going to be there that have accepted invites for the Junior Day, kind of what they go through, as well as uh, Scott's going to a very cool 7-on-7 seven seven in Tacoma this weekend. So we'll we'll uh, talk about those things when we come back um, from uh, the break. This is uh, Chris Fetters with Scott Eckel and Dogman Radio. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com with our uh, recruiting editor Scott Ackland. Just kind of putting a wrap on, on kind of a bow on the on the on the thing here with recruiting, really coming to a to a head for the 2022 class. But really, this segment we're going to be focusing almost solely on the 2023 and 2024 classes because Washington is having their junior day this weekend. 
And um, it's like I said, it's the first time they've been able to do it in a number of years to get a whole bunch of kids on campus because before, obviously, because of the pandemic, you just couldn't get that many that many kids in a room, um, you know, kind of getting to find out what Washington's all about. And to be honest, it's it's a great coincidence that it is the kind of the first time that the new staff gets to show out. So it's a, it's a brand new staff, a brand new day in Washington recruiting. And they've got a whole new uh, recruiting staff headed by director of player personnel, Courtney Morgan. And uh, Justin Glenn is still on the staff. You've got new guys that have come in from Michigan and places like that to kind of really bolster the ranks. Scott, tell people a little bit about this 2023 junior day and and what it's going to be about and just how important it is to get this 2023 class off on the right foot for Washington. Well, the last, you know, not to, you know, give people PTSD here, but the last uh, event that Washington's football team was able to hold before the pandemic took hold in March of 2020 was the junior day that they had where Jimmy was introduced as the new head coach. Uh, by the University of Washington on, on the basketball floor. And he came out on the heck ed floor. I was at the game, uh, came out on the heck ed floor and, and said, you know, I'm so happy to be here and be the head coach of this team. And, you know, we're going to be aggressive and all that different stuff. Well, in the stands were about 30 local and out of state kids for junior day. And that was kind of the last big recruiting event that Washington held for 18 months. So, um, like you said, Chris, this is the first big, uh, weekend for Washington being able to have junior day again, have guys on campus, all that different stuff. And, and yeah, I, I'm, it, it sounded like there was going to be quite a few guys that were on campus and, uh, there's probably going to be somewhere between 50 and 60, maybe seven, maybe up to 70 guys there. Like you said, Chris, there's a seven on seven event that's bringing a lot of kids from out of state on into the area and, the Huskies arranged it so that they could, the kids could <clears throat> show up at junior day and then head down to that. So it wasn't like something that goes later in the evening. So most of the juniors are not going to be at the basketball game tonight because the game starts at what time is it? What time two. Is the game? Starts two. At two o'clock. Two o'clock. So a lot of these guys have, have to be down in Tacoma no later than four. And so I just – maybe they go to the first half of the basketball game and then take off. I don't know what they do. But for the most part, you're probably not going to see many of the junior day guys at the basketball game. But you will see some key ones, one of them being Jaden Rashada, who said he's going to be at the game. And so to come up and say hi to him, I don't know how many people he wants to do that. But, um, you know, that's a guy who you definitely want to impress. He's probably – I mean, there's some really good players. Landon Hatchett's going to be there. Um, and Micah Banuelos, those are two in-state offensive linemen Washington is after, but Jaden Rashad is probably the, I don't know, I don't want to call it the marquee name, but yeah, I mean, he's one of the marquee names that's on, on campus this weekend and probably that top out of state guy on campus. So, um, yeah, keep an eye out for, for that. And, uh, but th- those are kind of going to be the guys that, that you want to focus on. There's another guy by the name of Tybo Rogers. He's a running back out of Bakersfield that has an offer from Washington, has an offer from several Pac-12 schools. Um, Isaiah Carlson from Ferndale. Michael Montgomery, the linebacker from um, Garfield, he has an offer from Washington. So, yeah, it's on our front page. Go take a look at it. There's a list of the guys that I've 
um, confirmed that will be there. And some of the top names, uh, Royce Cleland is the name that might sound familiar. His dad is Cam Cleland. So, uh, he's from Jesuit high school down there in, in Oregon. So, um, those are the names that I've been able to confirm, but we're, there's going to be about 50 to 60 guys. Okay. And, and clearly, you know, the ones that are going to be at the seven on seven event, they're probably not going to be able to see much of the game, but I'm sure there will be a handful Mm-hmm. Uh, that will there that will be there for sure and this is an opportunity for the staff to kind of show what life is going to be like for a student athlete when the games aren't being played you know mm-hmm. when there when when there is an off season you know and so you're going to get to see a number of things if you're a high school player when you're on campus this weekend at Washington let's kind of roll down some of the things that you think are going to be really important for these guys to take part in to kind of get a better feel for Washington is what Washington's all about. Well, I, I think they're going to show them the facilities, the locker room. Guys all tell me that they're super impressed when they see the locker room. They love the weight room, how it's got the W's everywhere and the, the work benches, the workout benches and stuff. And instead of Washington having to share their workout space with other with other sports like they used to. Now they have their own weight room. So it's all geared toward, uh, college football, weightlifting, uh, training, all the different things that they need to do. Then they'll get to see, I don't know, the barbershop, you know, the different things that they have, the little quirky little things that they have. Um, they'll get to see the recruiting lounge, uh, maybe play some games up there. Chris, you and I've been up into the recruiting lounge, uh, recruiting lounge several times to meet with coaches and things like that. So, um, that's an impressive thing, especially the way you get to look out over Husky Stadium when you're doing that. Um, they'll, they'll also get a meal and that's something that the, the school can provide on a junior day and things like that. They'll go into some team meeting. They'll probably go into a large meeting space, uh, which is the team meeting room, but then they'll break off into different position groups and those coaches will get a chance to talk A with some of their top guys. But B, they'll get to show these guys, hey, this is what our defense is going to look like. This is what we're going to do. This is where you, we see you'd play, you would be playing if you're, if you're a Husky, you're going to be in this spot. If you're a corner, you're going to be playing here. If you're going to be middle linebacker, here's what you'll be doing. Here's your keys. Here's your reads. Offensive lineman, here's where we see you playing and, and what you're going to be doing in our new blocking scheme, all those kind of things. Jaden Rashada obviously needs to meet with Coach Grubb, sit down with him for a little bit and talk with him. When, I think uh, it's kind of sad that Washington probably won't get um, uh, Jabari Johnson, the newest offer that went out, the Lincoln quarterback, 2023 kid. Um, I think they would love to have him on campus with Jaden Rashada, but, uh, sounds like he's going to be just sticking down close to Tacoma and, and, uh, uh, doing his thing. But he told me he definitely plans to get up to Washington here in the next week or two after they, cause it's going to go to a dead period for about, I think a week or a week and a half. I'll ha- I'd have to look at the schedule, but, um, they can start having recruits individually up on, and you can even have another junior day, but, um, they're going to have recruits individually up throughout the week. And meet with them, and I have a feeling Jabari Johnson will be one of those guys. Yeah, and then obviously we'll see a lot more guys roll through during spring practices and stuff like this. You know, assuming, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, that things start to open up a little bit more and you get a chance to see a little bit more of what we would consider normal kind of uh, football activities that are going on around Washington. Yeah. But yeah, this is a, you know, it is kind of ironic, as you mentioned in the first half of the show. How, you know, this was the kind of the marquee event that really kind of got the Jimmy Lake 
uh, era off and running. And now this is going to be the marquee event to get the Kalen DeBoer era out and, and, and kind of off on the right foot. I, I did want to mention real quick, they have really been bombarding, especially in the last 24 hours, this, um, this campaign that they've called loyal to the soil. Um, what did you make of that? Cause right now it, it's, it's their way of trying to get out and do their, their little grassroots campaign with the, with the schools in the state. Um, it really looked like on Friday, uh, it, as many as, what can you do now? Like seven uh, yeah. coaches that can be on the road at any one time? I think seven or eight. And, yeah. Yeah. And it looked like, like, look, the maximum number of coaches were out among the high schools in the state of Washington on Friday. And went and I saw at least 25 or so different uh, banners of different schools yeah. that they went to, um, you know, alone. And, well, and so it, what do you think well, about that? They've well, really kind of carpet bombed yeah. <laughs> the, the in-state stuff a little bit here. I, I'm going to be writing up a little bit of a story on this for probably maybe for tomorrow, for Sunday, but definitely for Monday. Um, how they they just, like you said, Chris, bombarded the state. It was it was a blitz a blitzkrieg, uh, yeah. if you will, but uh, not in a negative connotation like that word comes up. But um, and what I found interesting was we got to kind of see what areas the coaches are going to be responsible for. So Chuck, Coach Morell, the safeties coach uh, and se- uh, co-secondary coach uh, for the Huskies, he was over in eastern Washington. So he was hitting some of the Tri-City schools. He also went up to Spokane and saw schools there. Um, and then um, – uh, I'm sorry, Inoke Brechterfield, uh, the defensive line coach, he's going to be responsible for the peninsula, it looks like. So he was out at Gig Harbor, uh, Peninsula, uh, Bremerton, Central Kitsap, and South Kitsap. Um, then you saw, I, I don't know, Lakes didn't say who was down to visit them, but um, I think... Well, I don't think anyone at Lakes got a chance to get visited on, but I think that it was Jamarcus Shepard was the oh, one Coach that, Shepherd. Was, okay, that so, got a chance to reach out to yeah. them. So Coach Shepard headed down there, so he's probably going to handle the south, help handle the if, south sound. If you know that he was already at Emerald Ridge, yeah, too, obviously did. to see Denzel Boston, yeah, and, and that's, I think that's maybe more Federal of a Way area, yeah, Federal yeah. Way. He also went there, but um, then you have Coach Inge is handling the metro area, the Seattle metro area. So he was at Garfield, O'Day, um, Seattle Prep. I guess Nathan, on Nathan Hale. Hale as yeah, well. Nathan Hale, yeah. So they hit a lot of those schools. Then you have. Um, Coach Marks was over on the east side, so he was at Skyline. I'm assuming he hit East Side Catholic. I just didn't no. see anything about that. But uh, East, but he was at East Lake and at um, and was at he, was he at Bellevue? As well? Skyline Bellevue as well. So those were the those were some of the biggies that he hit there. And then um, who was up north? There was someone up up north. I'm trying to remember who it was off the top of my head. I can't, but, I can't remember. <clears throat> but whoever it was, I, Scott Huff handles a lot of that stuff too, uh, a lot of those schools too. So my guess is he was probably down at Rainier Beach for a little while and, and seeing things. So, you know, just a lot of – it was, like you said, Chris, it was kind of just a blitz of, of the staff just getting out and – and making sure people knew that hey we're out here we're we're prioritizing you guys who was it I, who I, who went to Kennedy someone went to Kennedy I think it was Coach Grubb maybe uh, whoever it was been. I think yeah. yeah maybe Coach Huff I can't I can't remember. yeah yeah whoever it was anyway so big they they were just out and and seeing guys all day on Friday it sounded like they just wanted to make one final push in state 
And, uh, yeah, so, and the thing is, what people need to remember is the coaches can't go out recruiting and seeing high schools, but there's nothing that says they can't go out to FSP and air. Right. Not necessarily to see kids, but they can go and sit down and meet. Why couldn't they go and sit down, down and meet with Tracy Ford or with Reggie, or Reggie, uh, um, what's his last name? Reggie Harris? Down at air. Reggie oh, Jones, Reggie Jones. Jones yeah. So yeah, so uh, yeah, all those all those guys down at those places. As long as you're not seeing recruits, if you meet on an off time when the kids aren't in training, you could go to you could go in there. That's not a school. You're not out recruiting, right? Yeah. So yeah, and, you can go. To yeah, I thought it was just really interesting because you know, and and this is not to to malign any of the previous staffs because I think a lot of the same stuff that was happening, but there were two things. First of all, I. I don't think I've ever seen a concentrated effort in one day right before a signing day instance where the entire staff was out combing the state. And, but the other part was it that they were actually going out and marketing it. You could actually go out on social networks and see it. You could, you could see the interactions that the coaches were having with the high school coaches, for instance. And, and this is also a, a factor of the high schools also being more, um, out there and in front of this stuff where you see a lot of the high school saying, hey, I really appreciate Coach so-and-so was at the school today. And it wasn't just for Washington. They would say this with any school that went out and, and was looking at their players as mm-hmm. potential as potential um, student-athletes at their at their colleges. Yeah. So I thought that was really, really interested that I'd, I'd – first of all, I'd never really seen it, um, you know, advertised as much as it has has been in the last 24, 36 hours – but also the fact that I I don't remember seeing a concentrated effort by a Washington staff to get out one last time and really really try to you know impress upon the high school coaches the local coaches um, just how much it means for them to get off on the right foot. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, it's huge uh, to get off on the right foot. Yeah. Yep, for sure. And hey, we're going to wrap things up, um, you know, with with a, an event that you're going to today Saturday. Um, and this will coincide with some of the stuff that, as we talked about with the junior day, this is a reason why some of these seven on seven teams were, uh, invited, or at least some of the top players were invited to the Washington junior day. And this is because of a seven on seven event down in Tacoma that you're going to, uh, let people know a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so it's run by Taylor Barton, former Husky quarterback, uh, quarterback. He runs lots of quarterback stuff, quarterback and, and, uh, football off-season related stuff that he does. Uh, he does the Northwest Nine, all those different things. And Taylor has set up this seven-on-seven seven, uh, tournament uh, that's going to be held at Silas High School. It used to be Wilson High School. Uh, now it's named Silas. And um, it's down – so that's down in uh, Tacoma out by Point Defiance, right? Isn't that kind of in the area roughly? I just thought Wilson was kind of close like on the way to like university place. I can't – Yeah, no – it's yeah. Anyway, I'm whatever. <laughs> anyway, it's we don't want to get too mixed up. I don't know the geography of Tacoma as well as I probably should. But uh anyway, the uh there's going to be about my guess is somewhere 20, 25 teams that are going to be down there. Um Some teams get kicked off at uh, two o'clock and then some of the top teams uh kick off their stuff at five o'clock. So um I'll be down for that most of the day. I'll probably be down there, get down there at three thirty, four o'clock, somewhere around there. Um, and, uh, be there until about eight and, uh, call it good, but hopefully doing some interviews. Um, I ta- I did talk to Jabari Johnson after I, after he got his offer from the University of Washington, but he was in the middle of a team event for his, uh, high school basketball team. 
So um, I told him I'd talk to him a little more extensively today. Uh, we'll see if I get any more out of him. If I do, I'll post another story. If not, I might just relate something in the in the blog. But um, I'll be talking to him. I'll be I'll be talking to a lot of the big time guys that are going to be down there, um, and uh, just updating you guys on 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 where things are and recruiting with them and where Washington might be standing with those guys at this early stage in the process. It's funny, Chris, because a lot of stuff has been going on with 2023 guys, you know, juniors and even sophomores, guys who are 2024. Um, but I always think of this time of the year, especially with junior days and everything like that as kind of the kickoff of the 2023 cycle, you know, the next cycle kind of kicks off with these junior days. And that's kind of what Washington is doing this weekend. Oh, there's no doubt. And and just to clarify, to make sure people know, so Will Silas, which is which was Wilson, is right off of 16 on the way to the peninsula to Gig Harbor. So it's right yep. kind of close to UPS. I got it confused with Matahoma. That's what. Okay. I'm yep. Yep. Yeah. So that's so. Anyways, you're right. So you, th- that's going to be a lot of things to check out. Hopefully, you will get a chance to talk to Jabari Johnson. Um, uh, that will be really. I, I think people are going to be very very curious to find out his reaction because I think there's been kind of a prevailing opinion that um, a lot of Washington fans didn't understand why the previous staff didn't go out and recruit a guy like Jabari Johnson, which if you looked at the previous system, offensive system that they ran, he probably wasn't going to be a great fit in it. But with Kalen DeBoer's system, a lot more versatile, needing a guy that is a little bit more dual threat, um, not a total dual threat, but has a little bit more of a dual threat about them this is where a guy like Jabari Johnson, I think, probably makes a well, lot more sense. N- not all small quarterbacks are equal to each other, right? But Jake Hayner is roughly the same size as Jabari Johnson. And we saw the success he had in Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb's offensive system. Can can Jabari Johnson be that guy? Because he's more of a threat than Jake Hayner is as a runner. He rushed for almost 800 yards last year in a team leading 15 touchdowns. So, you know, you really need to look at, you know, could he be as effective as Hainer was throwing the ball and add that running threat, um, you know, when things break down? Because regardless of what people want to hear and everything like that, I don't think Ryan Grubb and and um, uh, Coach DeBoer are looking to use their quarterback as a primary runner. They want a guy who's going to distribute the ball and get it out but they also want they also want and need someone who can really hurt teams with his legs, kind of like what uh, Chase Garbers did to Washington in the several years that he he was at Cal because he's a guy who would just kill you with his legs. And yeah. and you know when things broke down, it's third and eight. You've got everybody covered up, and then he breaks out for a ten yard run and just extends the drive. And that's a guy who I think Jabari. Johnson really compares to because he can run, he can get out and run, but he's not going to be a guy who you're running, running, uh, you know, read option with and, and him being the primary ball carrier. You do, you just can't get your quarterback hit that much anymore. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. So, uh, you, you'd like, or maybe, uh, uh, Bryce Young, you know, cause he's a guy who can get out and run, but he's not going to, his, that's not where he makes his money. He makes his money, um, throwing the ball and getting it out to the right guys out to the playmakers and letting them do that, that their thing, not uh, him being the primary guy. Right. No, there's no question. I think, and you're right. I think Garbers is a great example of a guy who's never going to be known as a dual threat guy, but he's not just got oh. his capability, 
but he's got a chance to actually do a little bit of damage. It was just um, awful watching him carve up Washington a couple times. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, he's like, and, it's third and eight. How does he get 10 yards? How does he do that? Right. No, and, and that's the thing. And a lot, a lot of it's just through the scramble. You know, very, very few times did I ever see a designed situation where he was going to actually be out on the run. Yeah. Um, and, and I get the same thing looking at Fresno State's tape from last year and the highlights and one not that I've seen is that, you know, Hayner could do a little bit of damage, had some escapability, but they still want a guy that, that is a pocket guy first. And Jabari Johnson seems to be that guy. Yeah. So, and Mm -hmm. and just finally, before we, we wrap things up, I am a little curious for your take on one thing, one aspect as we really move into this junior day today and, and the 2023 class and beyond, I was really taking a look quickly, Scott, and essentially the same number of football offers that are out to 2023 prospects for yeah. Washington is almost identical to the 2022 class. Yeah. And, I and, and yeah. the 2023 class has barely started. They don't have a commitment yet for anybody from 2023. This is like we've talked about. This is like the first day where it really kicks off. This is the jump start to the class. And that, and essentially the same number of offers are already out. And not only that, but I wrote an article this week about how, you know, for instance, they offered a kid from Missouri this, this last week and it was yeah. already the sixth offer. To a kid just from Missouri, which is unheard of for the I know. you just I know. don't ever see that again. So I, w- I wanted to get your take on just the the breadth and depth of the the way that they've already covered the 2023 class and the impact that uh, Courtney Morgan and some of these uh, coaches in in terms of where they came from, like a Jamarcus Shepard, for instance, or some of these other guys have really started to already impact what you think is going to happen with the 2023 class. Oh yeah, I mean it's I. I You've got Nick Sheridan and O.K. Brechterfield and Jamarcus Shepard who all come from schools outside of the footprint that Washington usually recruits in. And so I think they're milking that those relationships quite a bit right now. And then and then you you look at uh, and then you look at some of the guys that that the Fresno State coaches who a lot of whom are being brought up here to come up to the University of Washington. They had relationships in Texas. They had relationships in other areas. And so, and then Courtney Morgan, like you said, Chris, cause he had connections through Michigan. He has, he has several, uh, coaches that he was working with outside of the footprint that Washington is normally in. So, I mean, there's a kid on campus, a 2023 linebacker from Maryland out on campus and they brought a kid in from Maryland, Baltimore in with their, First big recruiting weekend, which was, uh, the weekend before the mid-year signing day back on, what was that, uh, December 8th, 9th, 10th, whatever it was, whatever, uh, weekend that was. And, uh, now he didn't get an offer, but yeah, I, I, uh, was really, um, imp- I've been impressed by the amount of offers that have gone out to areas that are not typically on Washington's, uh, offer, you know, or their, their, their recruiting itineraries typically. And, um, several of those guys have told me they're really interested. They're, they were surprised when they got an offer from the University of Washington. But, um, now that they've done some research on it and learned more about it, they want to come out and take a look. And I think, you know, you're never going to be able, you're always going to need to sell, you're going to have, 
several kids from in-state. And by the way, there's eight kids. Someone did the research. There's eight kids from the state of Washington that have offers for the 2023 class right now. When was yeah. the last time we saw that this early in the yeah. in the going? So Unless the um, class was really, really loaded. Loaded, that's not, yeah. That's not typically what you'd see. No, no. And I don't think you would have seen an, an offer out to a guy like Michael Montgomery at this point. Maybe you offer him in the spring, but he got an offer from the old staff, and then this right. staff renewed his offer. So, right. um, you know, that that's just stuff to kind of keep in the back of your head. But – um, you know, I think you're, you're always going to want to get kids from the footprint, which is Washington, Hawaii, Utah, Arizona, California, and maybe Nevada a little bit too, because of Bishop Gorman. But those are kind of, that's kind of your footprint. Then maybe supplement with one or two Texas kids and then supplement with two or three, maybe four guys from other states that you're not used to getting. Colorado, which granted is kind of in the footprint, but still, Colorado is not an area that Washington typically recruits a lot of kids from. And was it Mike uh, Varell who did research, or maybe it was Jeff Bechtold who told him this, that there's only been one letterman from the state of Michigan at the University of Washington? Yeah, now because the Twins are going to sign on Wednesday. Yep. Uh, the Parker Twins are going to sign on Wednesday. Yeah, there was only one, and I think he was like in the 30s. Yeah, so – so yeah, I think that would be so cool to start seeing kids come from different parts of the country. I mean, you had two guys from Maryland that were big time lettermen from the University of Washington, and that was um, Don Jones and who's the uh, Ed uh, Cunningham. Uh, those two guys were both Mar- Maryland guys. So I thought they were from Virginia or Virginia. Sorry, Virginia guys. Ah, they may anyway. have been very close to Maryland. Yeah, <laughs> very, yeah, they were right on the border. That's that's why I got confused. <laughs> I'd like to say that, but anyway. <laughs> Um, I don't know if they were really on the board. Well, no, but, that does that does go to yeah. the point. And just and just to underscore that, Scott, let's just run down some of the some of the states that have uh, Washington offers for kids. You've got you know guys from North Carolina, uh, Minnesota, Iowa. Uh, you know they've got some Florida guys, and, and and historically there's been a few Florida guys ever since John Anderson, Rich Alexis, uh, yeah. E.T. came through the pipeline. Every once in a while you'd see one, but now you've got a handful of guys that have already gotten offers yep. from, from, uh, places, schools in Florida. You mentioned Maryland. Um, you know, the guys, again, those six guys from Missouri, Georgia, mm-hmm. um, you know, South Carolina. Uh, they've I think there's, one, I think there's yeah, I think there's yeah. one from, yeah, yeah, one from Illinois. There's one from Oklahoma. Um, you know, I, I think I saw almost about 20 different, you know, even Washington DC. That was the previous staff. They offered Colin Gill, the defensive back from Washington DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kids from Louisiana. The, I think there was a, a, an athlete, quarterback athlete who just got offered from Louisiana. Um, you know, so it's just incredible kind of the depth and breadth already of the, the places that the, the staff is already calling from. Um, and, and it'll be very, very interesting. And I think this is something that Washington fans could get really excited about. Um, yeah, I forgot the, the Gatorade State Player of the Year for Kansas, a running back by the name of Dylan Edwards has been offered. You know, these are just, these are just things as Washington fans, they, they've never seen before. And this, I think is, uh, this is an interesting and exciting development, I think, for them. Yeah, I, I do. I do. I absolutely do. Yeah. All right. So, Scott, any final thoughts about the junior day or the recruiting weekend or anything else kind of leading into Wednesday's signing day that we need to cover? Uh, well, you know, there's there's just going to be a lot 
going on, you guys got, got to stay tuned. And if anybody you know that is a Husky fan, you know, you need to tell them to sign up. We've got a 60% off offer, uh, Chris, and we'll go through that here in a second, but, uh, you know, for the annual, but, you know, people need to be over and, and checking us out because we're going to have you covered wall to wall. We've got a bunch of stuff going on for signing day. We'll be recapping some of the guys who signed back in December, uh, in case you forgot about those guys because it's real easy to do. Um, so lots of stuff going on. We're going to have some features on some of the guys who are committing. Um, uh, Tristan Dunn, the safety out of Sumner, he's going to make a decision on, uh, August, I'm sorry, on, um, February 2nd on signing day. So stay tuned for that. We'll be all over that as well. We're assuming it's going to be Washington, but we'll just have to wait and see. Um, heck, Vega Ijuane could end up doing the same thing. So that, that it could be a, one of the more exciting national signing days that we've had in, in quite some time, especially with the, with the mid-year signing day and with Chris Peterson in charge. Chris Peterson didn't want any special, didn't want any surprises on signing day. He wanted everybody signed, sealed and delivered, and he'd do his press conference and be done with it and moving on to the next one. But that's not going to happen this year. So it's going to be kind of fun. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned the 60% off the, the annual VIP membership to dogband.com and 24 seven. And you're right. I, I think this is probably the only time that you're going to see some real recruiting information and a real ramp up for a number of guys uh, at this time of the year. Now, granted, the way things are going, the top, top guys may not decide until February or March or what have you in any cycle, but 99.9% of the guys will probably end up getting their stuff done mid-year. I fully expect Kalen DeBoer and Courtney Morgan and the Washington recruiting staff to try to get all their stuff done by mid-December next year for 2023. There's certainly nothing that's indicating to us that they would want to extend this stuff any longer than possible. But right now, this coincides with a phenomenal offer, a signing day special that we have going on at Dogman and 24 seven, 60% off an annual membership. This is the time to get on guys. And, and Scott already laid it out. We're going to have so much stuff in the ramp up to signing day. And we're only like four days away from the first day of the signing period. And that's when 95 to 99% of the guys that have waited are going to sign. And then you may have the occasional guy like a top, top prospect, like a Josh Connolly wait a little bit longer take some official visits and those types of things, but almost everything is going to get done on Wednesday. So if you want to get on top of it, you haven't checked everything out before, but you've been following the podcast and have been following recruiting from afar, this is the time to get on, guys. And a 60% off membership, this is going to be the best deal that we're going to have leading up to signing day, obviously. So get on it. We really encourage guys to do it. We're going to be all over it, not just on the front page, but the message boards is really where it's at. Everyone will tell you it's the community that really makes uh, dogman.com special. And so we've got that uh, that uh, membership drive going. Please uh, please sign up for it. And also, we, we have a thing where if um, you guys just want daily uh, notes in your email where you can get the top stories that we've been working on in your email, we do that, that service for free. And all you have to do is send a, an email to huskystadium at gmail.com. That's huskystadium, one word, at gmail.com, and the subject line newsletter, and we'll get you signed up. And then you'll get your daily updates in the inbox, and we'll take care of you that way as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on right now at dogman.com. We've got the membership signing day special, 60% off, as well as the daily updates in your inbox that we can take care of for you. 
So, so much going on, guys. I really appreciate Scott jumping on and, and, and really giving us the lowdown as everything kind of finishes up for Washington in their 2022 signing class. Obviously, signing day is going to be a huge thing this coming Wednesday. We, we know everybody is, is going to, you know, jump on and, and get involved with that stuff too. And we'll be all over it as well. So for all you guys listening out there, we've got a lot coming. Be prepared for it. For Scott Eklund, this is Chris Fetters of dogman.com. Go dogs. 